Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome, everybody, to Teach Me Pokemon, the podcast. I'm your host, Corey, and along with my co-host, Jared, we're best friends, been playing Pokemon for a very long time. Pokemon World and everybody else. We are back with episode three of Teach Me Pokemon, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Corey, and here with my best friend and other co-host, Jared. And we have an awesome episode, Jared. Are, are you ready for this one? This is a good one. I uh, When I found out who the guest was going to be in the second section, I got very excited about this whole episode so yes i'm very excited yes well we because we've had stefan ivanov who obviously is a legend in the game everyone knows him been multiple worlds nationals all the things and then lance who is you know uh, been playing for a long time you know younger player but doing very well this season uh now we get james washer who maybe you're like huh I i know lance i know stefan i don't know james Everyone's like, is that Tord's real name? Is that <laughs> is that Tord's American name? James is a pokey dad. And not just the pokey dad that like you get paired up with where you're like, oh yeah, easy dub right here. They're playing a theme deck. Now James will take your lunch. James is James <laughs> he, he is a phenomenal player. He's having a great season. He has a son uh, that is in the senior ranks right now doing very well. And James is no chump. James is day two'd uh, Toronto. Day two, Charlotte, which is where we most recently saw him. And Fort Wayne, it, it just happened, Jared. I, I don't, I need to look and see how James did at Fort Wayne, but I know he did very well at Charlotte. So, um, but before we hop into the interview, did you have any thoughts from this latest tournament um, at the Fort Wayne regionals, which is like a, what the last, this is the last uh, tournament in this format, right? In, in I, I the believe, US? Right, yeah. Next, next time we rotate into Scarlet Violet. We're going to start seeing some new spice. We're already seeing that for those who have transferred over to live, starting to see a lot of that on there. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of like one of those last hurrah types of tournaments because we'll, I know we'll talk about this a little bit, but some of the cards are just so crucial to some of these decks that you're not going to see them anymore, whether it is a Pokemon or whether it is a trainer or a supporter. Um, there's some big things leaving and some big things coming. And it was fun to, uh, it, it, I think you could call it like futile, but it wasn't. People showed up. There were still variants, things that we hadn't seen on stream before. 
And I thought it was a really fun tournament to exit on. Yeah, I think it was really interesting. And it was kind of fitting. You know, there was clearly a lot of Lugia, obviously, like there always is. Um, our boy Lance did very well, finished seventh. So he made, he got his his day two and he did very well in day two. Yeah. Um, but Gudra, Gudra took it down, man. Maxwell Johnson uh, beat the Lugia. Noah Sawyer, your fellow... Uh, Tennessean, is that what you call yourselves out there? Tennessean babies, volunteer state. Noah, Noah did big time. We got to get Noah on the podcast. Maybe he could oh, join yeah, we'll you in the him. studio. We'll yeah, we'll get him on here. Um, so Gudra, Gudra takes it down um, as the last big regionals of this format. Did that surprise you? It it, it did and it didn't. Right, because Gudra is, in my opinion, very consistent. Yeah, it just always runs into these. Bad matchups, but the card is so so strong. When you can put something out there that has no weakness, mm-hmm. and then when you can, you know, moisture star and completely heal yourself. Yeah, it's nuts, man. Yeah. The car is absolutely broken. I don't think it's going anywhere, mm-hmm. right? I don't think we're losing this this variant as we move into Scarlet Violet. I think you're going to see more of this. Yeah, but it's anything. It takes the right matchups. It takes the right things happening. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see this at the top. Cause I see this a lot playing online. We usually see this in top cut mm-hmm. in other tournaments. So it's fun to see it take it home. Yeah, I think so. I think it's really cool. Um, like you said, I don't think it's going anywhere. You know, I think Gardevoir could, could hit into it and potentially get some one shots there if it depend on the matchups and things like that. But I, I think it's a really fun deck. Stefan played it. Yeah, I think in our first episode we talked about Gudra was the deck he had ran at the at the previous tournament he was in. So I think that was cool. Uh, just watching the stream, uh, Xander uh, Bennett was on Mew. And one thing about Xander, he was like, I, I, you could hear him through the stream of like drawing five playing this. Like he was very uh, loud in in the things he was doing. Not that that's a bad thing. I just kind of enjoyed it. I don't know. But I, they had mentioned on stream, he like started his own Pokemon version of the game. He like created like his own cards and all this stuff. I know. I want to have Xander on too. I want to talk about it. I don't know many more than that. They just mentioned it on stream. That's thought, super interesting. I know. I thought it was pretty cool. But then they said, so then he came back and played, you know, what we all play and, and has seen success again. So, um, but yeah, man, Fort Wayne, really interesting. We'll see how uh, Europe goes. EUIC, the next really big tournament here and how Scarlet Violet performs. And I don't know, man, I, I, we've been playing live right now. Pokemon yeah, live. Let's talk about that. I want to talk about that. Cause we, we have seen some stuff and are playing Scarlet and Violet on live right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm interested uh, just as we kind of get into wrapping up, you know, our opening section here, what are you seeing? <laughs> what are you running? And overall, how is yeah, it, how is it going? For sure. Yeah. Okay. A little shout out to, uh, so I, I did, I did a limitless tournament of like a random one. I'd never done any of these online tournaments. Talk a little bit about that. I, I think people would be interested to hear because I didn't, we didn't yeah. know about this before a couple of days ago. So we, we're just, we got to, we got to scratch this itch, Jared. We got to, we got to play and that's what we're trying to do. So I'm like, well, you know, just grinding games on, on the platform, like the ranked games, if you will. It's just like, ah, I don't know. It's, it, I need something more. So then I looked up these online tournaments and I was like, okay, how does this work? And never had done one. Uh, you create a limitless account uh, you can then register for a tournament. These are free. You don't pay anything. And then the winner, you know, you get like codes to to redeem on the on the Pokemon Live game. 
but it's just like, I don't know, it's it's something competitive and it's beyond just playing regularly. So I love that. So we get in, there's 86 players, I think, in this tournament. So like your, you know, larger league cups, you know, in, down here in Texas, those are probably usually the average size of our league cups. But so it's, you know, not a regional size, but there's, there's a good amount of players. Um, this was all Best of one, seven rounds. That's all it was. No top cut. And there's there's multiple online tournaments run by different people. This was just the one that it started in like an hour. And I was like, okay, let's just do it. Let's see what's up. And I've just been playing Lugia, just the, the newest version with like Tyranitar and the the fir, um, uh, First Strike uh, Pokemon and uh, Single Strike. And, dude, first four rounds, Lost Box. Went 4-0, beat them all. Like, and they were close. There were some close matches. The, the Tyranitar is interesting. It does a function that you know I love, a little, little uh, discard uh, your opponent's deck. I love that. Discard two cards off the top. That's so juicy. Um, but but so just just playing, it really hits for weakness as well. But in Lost Box, it's like, shoot, man, like this is just going to be always a close match. So they were all very close. Went 4-0. And then I hit the Inteleon Urshifu's. And those were the next three rounds for me. Good deck. It hit, you know, a lot of sniping, a lot of bench damage. Very tricky in how it performs. But beat those three, took first place. 7-0 and oh in this tournament. Uh, I, I was like, what? Like, it's crazy. So I, I think uh, I like the Lugia. I like how it plays. Clearly, it's been big in the last format, too. Uh, but I, I think it has some favorable matchups and then just you know, being able to get the cards out that you need to. It's a much different deck than it was before. Um, but it was great, man. Fluid, really well-run tournament. Shout-out to, uh, I think it's like Hoarders Collectibles or something. They're the ones that ran this, did a great job. Um, but, Jared, we're going to be running some onlines, my friend. You and I are getting on there. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Now, see, now, me, I've been I've been spamming a solo queue, if you will. <laughs> uh, I've been spamming the ranked ladder. And I, I, and I think you even mentioned this was the most popular deck in the tournament that you saw, um, but the Reggie Lecky Klefki deck mm. is everywhere. Electric is very strong right now. I think people still favored in their mind because you do get the Lugia weakness and everybody knows that Lugia may be a little bit slower, but it's not gotten any less potent. So yep. um, I think people like that. It plays well because I'm a lost box player. Yeah. Um, I play a lot of the Zama Lost Box right now. I'm playing a little more uh, Galarian Zapdos just to, because I have been running into so many electric decks and it plays well into the Arceus matchup as well. Yeah. And um, and then I've seen some random, I've seen some, It's fun, that's what I love about it. You, you're going to run into that, you know, a thousand plus player that's thrown this deck together that you're just like, yeah. What in the what? world is this? Because <laughs> what on earth? Variety. I love the variety of Pokemon yeah. too. Everybody's got a got a crazy idea, but um it, it, it's just a lot of fun. Like the I feel like the meta is diverse enough. I'm so happy that Marnie is gone. I can deal with judges all day. Um, but it is it's a different world. It's a slower, I think it's a slower paced game than mm -hmm. it was agreed in the last rotation. Yeah, it it is. And I think that's what really what you and I both had to learn. I think when we started playing the new, the new rotation on live, I mean, I was just getting crushed. Like I, I, I and it was more just cause misplays. Cause I was running the Lugia so fast, like in the old version. And I just wasn't seeing success and the trades are weird. Cause before you could just hit, do these one prizers, you know, your Evitals and your um, Raikus and just get the, the trades were always in your, this now it's like, 
Well, I got the and, I, and I, you know me, I'm always terrible with the names of these Pokemon. We've been playing this game for 15 years. I don't know how to pronounce them all, but like the Stone Guy, Stone Journer, whatever his name is. Like, there's some trade there, but everything else, Tyranitar's two prize, Lugia's two prize. So you can't scoop up or you can't get the Luminion out anymore unless you're like doing collapse stadiums to to uh, discard it, moving your bench to four. But like, it's it's definitely a different way to play it. But I, we were going so fast, and then it's like, okay, I think it's a slower little bit slower format. Let's take a breath and then see where this goes. And I mean, Gardevoir takes like five turns to set up, you know, as they set their Curlias and Gardevoirs and all the stuff. So it is, it is, it's a slower game, but I love that, man. I it's just, you just adapt to whatever the play style is, you know, and, and figure um, it out. You, you have to, there isn't uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot. Of, did, did Vicavolt get rotated? Is that why I'm not seeing that anymore? I believe Vicavolt got rotated or it probably would have still been, and if it's not, they're probably it probably lost. I mean, it lost the speed lightning. Uh, you it, know, it, it lost some stuff. It so, lost some cards. Yeah, that didn't yeah. make it effective. It's fun. It's fun to be at the beginning of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm. I, I'll risk saying something potentially um, uh, ris- risky or like I, I personally just don't care for the Scarlet Violet set that much. Dang. Dang. Um, it's nice. It's always nice to get a new set. I just don't, I, uh, this is, this is my hot take. What was lost shifted the meta more than what was gained in this set. That's my hot take oh. about Scarlet and Violet. The Stephen A, lost, the Stephen A Smith of Pokemon. Are you that? The hot, that's the, <laughs> the, the, the debate. That Lugia is a bad <laughs> man. It's a bad man. It's a, uh, but no, I, I really believe that. Like, I don't, I don't think we gained anything that's really like transformed and said like, this is the new deck. Like now we have Gardevoir. I don't, I don't want to dismiss Gardevoir, yeah. but like the top decks are still Lugia, sure. Lost Box. Yeah. We didn't lose any contenders. They're just having to adapt to yeah. honestly what was lost. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Muse still very strong. You know, it still always has its Drapion problem. And now with Tyranitar, there's just more weakness options. I think there's like some sort of weakness policy coming out in the next set to potentially take some weaknesses away from you. But, uh, but yeah, still kind of the same characters, you know, adding, adding Gardevoir in there and there will be some new variants and things like that. But you're right. That's a hot take, Jared, hot take. My hot take. It gained more by what was lost. I know it was gained. That's it could be a philosopher too or something. So that's Pokey philosopher. Pokey philosopher. All right. Well, what we'll do now, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with James Washer the Pokey Dad, extraordinaire, and just great competitive player. I, he's just, he's doing well. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, Teach Me Pokemon podcast listeners, we are here. We are back with the Poke Dad Elite, James <laughs> Washer. James, we appreciate you coming on, man. Do, do you uh, do you like the term Poke Dad, or does that feel like demeaning or something? No, I like it. I like it a lot because for me, the game definitely is most about the dad part and getting to 
do things with my with my son. So now I love it. Cool. Well, well, James, uh, I'll lead off. We always kind of want to start to get to know know you, the, get to know the player. So tell us kind of where, where you're from and, and how did you get into this this world of Pokemon? Yeah, so I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, and when my younger son Carson, who still who still plays now, was about eight years old, he started trading the cards at school, and he brought them home one day. And I was looking at him, and I was like, "Whoa, there's like a game on here. We should we should learn how to play this game." So we went to our local card store, and we just got hooked immediately. Back then, my older son, who's like two years older than Carson, played as well, and we just jumped straight in. And it wasn't long till we were like traveling to regionals and international events and stuff. We just kind of nice. all three of us got obsessed and. Uh, so ever since then, my wife has been a pokey widow because pretty much <laughs> it's all we talked about nonstop for many years. Um, and to this day, Carson and I still, still every time we're in the car or something, that's all we talk about. It really drives, it drives my wife nuts, but. Oh, I love it's been it. Amazing. You couldn't recruit her into the pokey mom role. Like if she's, <laughs> if she's resistant to the pokey mom role. She loved, she actually loved traveling and going into tournaments when both my kids played. Uh, and she liked the social aspect with all the other pokey parents, but we couldn't drag her into playing the game. So she was never <laughs> interested in hearing about all of that. Somebody um, has to hold down the spot at the table, you know, at yeah, the regionals exactly. and at, the, at the parent table, make sure that, uh, that your spot's there so you can talk after yes. each match. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is so good. Okay, so were you, ha, ha, growing up, you know, in your adult life, ha, have you always like loved games, board games, card games? I, at one point in my life, I was going to be a professional poker player. Oh. Um, I'd actually told my parents that I was going to finish college, but after college, I was going to play poker. I actually played in the World Series main event three times and oh other big events and stuff, but I met my wife right before I turned 21 and uh, <laughs> never made it to the professional uh, poker uh, oh. ranks, which I'm, I'm obviously happy with with now. So yeah, I've just always loved strategy games, chess, wow. poker, any kind of yeah. board game or card game has just always really interested me. Uh, hey, James, you don't know what you've done oh. by opening up Pandora's box. We've opened. You were talking. Uh, Corey here is a poker uh, aficionado as well, and you. Uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about what's going to happen now as a result of this conversation. I'll just, I'll just tell a quick story. I'll tell two stories. So, grow. So, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, where I'm from, and you and to gamble there, you have to be 21 on the to go to like the res, the reservations. It's pretty much where all the casinos are. But in Washington, you can be 18 and go and go gamble. So. There's this place uh, called uh, La Center. There's like five casinos. It was about 45 minutes from my house. So I would, the minute I turned 18, I would like, cause you know, you just play poker with your high school friends and stuff. But oh, yeah. when I became old enough, I'm driving up there and this was like a decent sized tournament. And I ended up finishing third and won like $5,500. And I was like, I remember that drive home back to my house, like blaring music. I was like on cloud nine million. I was like, I can do yeah. this. Like I can do this. Like I can be a professional poker player. I just have to wait three more years. So, <laughs> at, so then we go to college and I, I was same thing, only a little bit more awful. Cause I was like, I'm going to just drop out and then move to Vegas uh, when I become 21 and I'll just be a professional poker player. So then my dad wasn't feeling that. So then I thought, okay, I'll go to UNLV and finish my degree because both Jared and I went to college together. So we're both at Baylor here in, in Texas. Oh, nice. And so yeah. I was like, yeah, well, I'll just move to UNLV. So my dad's like, yeah, go, go for it. And so I like called the counselor there. I was like lining up my transcript. And, and then once my dad realized... I was a little bit more like serious about that. He was like, you're not doing that. Like he <laughs> totally put his foot down. 
And so to this day, now to fast forward just real quick, he, I, my dad has always been a fan of the Pokemon play, like the, um, he's been like a cheerleader for me to play because he knows what the secondary option is and it is, <laughs> and it is poker. And so he is like, I'd much rather Corey go to some Pokemon regionals than go down to Vegas or something yeah, like that. So for sure. I actually have a funny story for my first uh, poker tournament. I bubbled out on purpose because I snuck into the casino oh! and we were like about to be at the finals. And they're like, make sure you have your ID ready to fill out any tax work to collect. And I was like, uh, they're <laughs> checking IDs at the end of this. And so like I lost on purpose. So they didn't check oh, my ID. Man. Uh, yeah. So my first, my first bubble in a tournament was on purpose. What if you had um, just like hit, like you're just like, oh, I have, you know, seven, two offsuit I push in and then it's yeah, like three sevens. Oh my gosh, <laughs> James. Okay. I don't even, why are you on the spot? I don't even know what, let's talk about bar poker. Um, <laughs> I want to, I want to chime in here real quick to all of our young listeners. Uh, that poker is an evil, evil game. <laughs> yes. Uh, Pokemon that, is much more rewarding and, and fun. Pokemon, you should definitely play. There Sorry. is scholarship money. There You're is right. educational futures in right. Pokemon. And I think there's a very specific reason that there's not a casino in the Sinnoh region. That's uh, yeah, the Pokemon thing. So uh, I think shame G on both of you. I think Giovanni and, was into that. We're was converted. Yeah. yeah, we're converted. We're converted. converted. That's what that was always the joke, Corey. I'll be like, "Well, I'm gonna go play in a tournament that starts with a P O K E. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. You be the determiner. You be the determiner of which you one be, it's gonna be. Is it an R or an M next? Um, here's, here's here's what I, here's what I want to know, James, because I want to get back to the the relationship between you and your sons, because a big part of this podcast is also about the listeners learning something that they can add to their game as they're playing. I'm interested when you first started working with your youngest son, who I think you said was about eight, mm -hmm. what were, what were the hardest things for them to grasp and overcome as they were trying to get better and better at the game? I think um, the hardest thing was to just uh, realize that there is a large variance to this game. So understanding that it's that you're going to lose, like learning to lose, was the hardest overall life lesson for them to learn. Um, and my younger son who, who does really well now, actually it's been a, it's been a slow progression. So like his first year, he just barely made worlds. Uh, his second year he made day one, but ended up finishing top 16. His third year, it was day two, his third, you know, we had COVID then, but then his third time around, he was day two and was like one win away from top eight at worlds. Oh. So it's like, it's a slow progression. So, you know, realizing that it's going to take time and, but you have to learn to not say I lost every time because I was unlucky mm -hmm. because then you don't learn, you know what I mean? And once, once the kids realize that, you know, you need to learn to get better and that, and then honestly, the biggest thing my, with my younger son was when we were testing, he would get upset when he would lose. And it took him a while to realize that, hey, when me, when you and I are playing to get to prepare for a regional or for an international event or something like that, we don't we shouldn't really care which of us wins. We're just trying to learn and figure out what we want to play and how we play these matchups and stuff. You shouldn't, you know, winning is important once we get out there, you know, for the actual event. But uh, important to a sense. I've definitely I'm a huge proponent of, um, you know, not ever getting on to my kid for losing. 
As a matter of fact, my Carson hasn't got points at the last two tournaments that we've been to, and that's very rare for him. Mm-hmm. And not once did I say, you know, I'm I'm not proud of you. All I just always ask him at the end, did you play your best? Because mm-hmm. that's all you can really control. Um, did you give it your full effort? Because there is a huge element. There are many elements of luck throughout the game, as you guys know, matchups, mm-hmm. uh, how you draw. And it definitely felt like this last format was like, if you bricked, the games go so fast, there's like no way to win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that new supporter where you can like, you know, the Marnie in combo, like you can brick and still potentially win a game. But like right now yeah. in the in the format as it was, like if you brick, you lose. So yeah. Um, yeah, but all the all the other typical things start out with uh, the progression that I find for juniors is the first thing is that they they understand their deck. So like let them stick with one deck for a while. Once they become more advanced, I think it's important to play a variety of decks. But to just get them good at playing the game, they really need to know their deck. If they're if they're having to read their cards at all, then it's not time to move on to a new deck yet. Mm. So the progression that we win is first get good with your deck. And then, you know, learning things like sequencing, of course, thinning, all of those things. Um, And so get good at your side of the board. And then the next step is to get all the matchups for your particular deck. So like we go down this route against this deck, but against this other deck, we get on this completely different route where like that other strategy is not important at all anymore. And then beyond that is getting to play a variety of decks so that you learn different type of, of strategies are you you know are you like uh do you like really aggressive decks do you like control decks or whatever um and learning all the different win conditions and stuff like that but of course that's over a process of a couple of years now some kids come in and like immediately you know mm-hmm. uh, but at eight years old usually most of the kids at eight need to, to learn a little bit more from the beginning um yeah and that, that's just to see the kids grow it, it's amazing from from eight to now 14. And now he teaches me a hundred percent teaches me as we're preparing for, yeah. for events and stuff like that. So it's really fun to see that, that growth. Yeah. The roles reversed. I love yep. it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The, the we, student has become the teacher. Yes. We used to, um, here in Waco, we kind of our, our league or group, we, we'd travel. And one of our guys who kind of ran the league, he had a daughter who was in juniors his name's Rudy. And, and Rudy would say, you have to, at these, regional tournaments, you'd have to watch your kid playing because sometimes the other kid may not say call it cheating, but just may not may just be playing not correctly. And the judges are, it's hard for everyone to catch it. Did you find that when Carson was in juniors that you had to kind of watch those games or. (laughs) So this is a great story. The very first event we ever went to was the Anaheim open. Okay. Cause like we just came in when sun and moon came out and they were having worlds out in Anaheim. Yeah. So the first my tournament wife always of that wanted to go to season. Disneyland. So it was like perfect. Like let's go to Disneyland and we'll just hop onto the open. Yeah. And I'm watching Carson play and he's playing Rayquaza and he's at the edge right there where all the parents are, parents are standing and the dad of the opponent that he was playing against between game one and game two yelled, don't forget about weakness. Cause the kid was playing an electric had an electric attacker it wasn't tacking Rayquaza. And I was like, oh. this is crazy. I cannot believe people are doing this in between. Jeez. But it's, for the most part, um, I think it's okay. Now, that is the first lesson that I, one of the very first lessons that I teach to kids. We got a couple really good juniors coming up in our league. Mm-hmm. And I stress to them all the time. 
you'll have a huge advantage if you just pay attention to your match and your opponent. Yeah. Because if you walk by the junior tables, the kids are looking this way, <laughs> over there when it's not their turn, and playing with their plushies and stuff. And I'm just like, if you'll have an immediate advantage is if when you're, it's your opponent's turn, if you just, you yeah. know, put your hands like this and just watch your opponent. Yeah. Um, Cause not that they're necessarily trying to cheat, but like, you know, they're going to double attach. They're going to retreat twice. They're yeah. going to make all kinds of little mistakes like that. And if you can just prevent your opponent from doing that, then that'll give you a huge advantage cool. um, throughout, throughout the tournament. So yeah, I, I definitely think there's, you, we see so many misplay errors in masters yeah. on stream all yeah. the time. Yes. So, you know, if there's, and I've talked to judges and they honestly believe that most of those are just mistakes. But if masters at the highest level are making those gameplay mistakes, then you know, juniors are doing it mm -hmm. at, at five times as much. So yeah, sure. you just got to pay attention. And, and um, I really, I really like that they're trying to push the parents further and further away from the tables because that's, that's the more concerning that's part good. to me are the parents yeah. at the juniors level than the, than the actual than players. The actual player. Yeah. Than the actual players. You were talking about, um, you know, people looking around and playing with plushies. I was like, this sounds a lot like the master's tables in like the four or 500 seat range that I've yeah. had for most games, you know, when yeah. I'm one in four and I'm like, no, that sounds, that sounds about right. That, yeah. that adds up. That's, that's the world that I usually yeah. fall in at these tournaments. For sure. I think um, I, uh, so what is the, um, what is the balance for you then at these tournaments? That's what I'm curious about because I have to imagine as involved as a parent, as you sound, mm -hmm. and it's really cool. Cause I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I want to be like James. Gotta get the kids going. I want to go to the tournament. <laughs> but as you think about you playing in masters, what is that balance? Like, like is a majority of your focus still worried about your son who's playing their game or are you all in when you're sitting in a match across from another player as well in a master's vision? Cause like you said, you've day two, you've had some really yeah. good runs. How, how do you work all of that in your mind as you're trying to have this family day at a tournament? Yeah. So the first, the first year we played, it was really nice. Cause my wife was there. So I could, I didn't have to worry about Carson or Thomas at all. She was there for emotional support and to help them as needed, get to their tables and all that stuff. Um, after the first year, Carson's a pretty independent kid. So he was already really capable of doing everything he needed to do. And he's also not emotionally usually now he's had some, you know, that's the, one of the greatest things about Pokemon is you learn life lessons and how to take, mm -hmm. uh, how to take bad situations. It's definitely something that you're going to learn over and over again. Yeah. But now he's like, at this point, he's so self-sufficient that I don't worry about him at all. Like I, I tend to go in and check in and like try to see how he did and ask him how his round went and stuff like that. But as far as like making sure he gets to his table or providing any kind of support or anything like that, I don't worry about that at all. I just go, I'm mostly worried about making sure that I get to my, my table and stuff like that. Um, so it really just depends on the kid and how far they, they are, you know, have advanced. Um, you know, you see some kids that take losses a lot harder. And so it would definitely, if you're a parent of a kid that, that needs that emotional support more than that might be more of an issue, especially if it's just the two of you, because if they lose before you're finished and they're really upset or something like that, then that could be an issue. So it really just varies from kid to kid. Thankfully, like I said, Carson, he's, he's a piece of cake. So I don't, I don't worry about him at all. Once we get there, just the rule is stay inside the convention center and keep your phone by you at all times. If you mm. aren't playing and I text you, you should text me back within yeah. five minutes. Cool. Head, head. And before phones, before you had a phone, we just always had a meeting point 
Yeah. And so we would meet up after each round. And so, you know, yeah. I said, go straight to this meeting point when you're, when your round's done and I'll meet you there. Have you ever had to leave one of your matches because something was going on with one of the kids? No, thankfully I never had to do that. Now I, at uh, LAIC, I, thankfully my match was already done because he's really only had two, two major issues in the past year when he, when he busted out of, well, he was day two at worlds. I did terrible at day one of the world. So I wasn't in day two Mm -hmm. when he lost that, that last match in day two, he was, he was pretty upset, but he had all of his friends to pick him up there as well. But at LAIC, he had a really bad judge call Mm -hmm. and, but I'd already finished my match. And so I was there to be able to talk to him and, and, uh, talk him back into it. And he ended up winning four in a row after it. So he he rebounded pretty good from that. Um, but thankfully that's it. That's really the only issue that we've had in the past. Cool. Since he's been playing. That's great. As this one, one bad judge called LAIC. Yeah. So let's talk about quickly th- this season. So the, you were running Arceus Duraladon. Was that Charlotte? Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte, okay. I was playing Arc Dura and I played that at, um, at, uh, Fort Wayne as well. Okay. I was on Lugia early in the season. Like I played Lugia at LA, LAIC to five, two, two and, through uh one of those one of those losses was should have been a win i completely Ugh. threw game three i had a chance to make do two there and then i went i started seven one one and um toronto with lugia and then just bombed day two like Ugh. like i think through the first three rounds i got out uh on one arceus and three and three rounds so like oh, it just fell man. apart for me yeah but then so at that point like lugia was so the target Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like my skill level is high enough that like, if I, I like to play powerful decks, but like if everyone is targeting it, then I think it's time for me to change to something else. Yeah. Um, and that's always kind of what I, w- the strategy we had for juniors as well is usually why we didn't play the BDIF in juniors is because all the other kids are just playing game after game, a game against that deck. And yeah. so you get no advantage that way. And it's kind of the same way for me for masters. So I just picked up Arc Dura because it's a deck that I, isn't that hard to play. So I feel like I can play it not a hundred percent optimally, but very close to a hundred percent optimally for nine rounds. Yeah. And it's a strong enough deck that if I hit the right matchups and draw decently, then I can do really well. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened in Charlotte. I, I hit some good matchups. My opponents didn't draw that great. And I started seven, one, one. And then um, actually the last round I had a bad matchup, uh, Kiram VMAX mm. for round nine. Mm-hmm, and I yeah. managed to, to pull out a tie. Oh, wow. And Carson afterwards was like, well, the only problem with tying is that now there's a chance you might hit them day one or day, the first round of day two. Uh, I was like, no, nah, there's so many, there were so many seven, one, ones. And what did I do? I hit him uh, round one of day two, no. but managed to, to win that round. Oh. So I was feeling really good. Cause then I was like, eight, one, one, I just beat a terrible matchup. I was yeah. like, it's my tournament. And then I hit new V max, which is basically Ooh, unwinnable with yeah, Arc Dura. Yeah. Um, you can just so, hit through it. Yeah. So I ended fun. up going like, um, nine, three, one or something like that. I couldn't play my last round cause we had a, uh, we had to catch a flight. Mm. And if I would have won my last round, I could have got top 32, but yeah. Uh, but it was a great, it was definitely my best run so far. My yeah. goal is to make top eight. I want to be the oldest person to make top eight at a regional. Um, so that's the goal. Do you know what that is? What's that age? I'm not sure officially what it is. Oh, okay. I'm like that. If I made it, it was for sure. But someone was telling me that there might've been some guy that was like 60 that made it one time. So (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, I got a long ways to go before then. We'll be right now, but, uh, (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Oh my gosh. 
what do you uh what do you think no moving in the next format what what is is there a kind of is there a deck that you're you're eyeballing the only one that I've put any time with is because I just transitioned to live is because it's similar to Arc Dura. I mean, kind of similar is uh, Arceus Garatina. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've always loved Arceus decks. Uh, I mean, Starbirth is just so I feel like if I can set up, then I'll have a chance of getting points. It's all about CP yep. for me. Like, you know, my son is chasing uh, wins. I'm just chasing CP to make it back to worlds. Cause yeah. last year was the first time that I made worlds. Um, and so that felt really good. And I wanted to mm-hmm. try to do that again this year, especially with it being in Japan. Yeah. Um, I'm at 260 now. So all, every event, my thought has just been like, I need to play a deck that's consistent enough. Yeah that is powerful enough. And if I draw decently and hit good matchups, then I can, I can uh, have a good shot at making points. Good. And I've only missed points. I missed points at the open um, and uh, Oceana, mm-hmm. but at Oceana, our flight got messed up. So we came in a day late. I missed the first two rounds oh. and I actually had a win for points at the last round playing Mew. Um, I, decided, I was going to actually play, I had a real spice for Oceana. I was going to play quad wheezing. Cause I just kept thinking everyone yeah. should be playing Lugia. Like, yeah. Lugia is just beating everything in all of our testing. So I was like, I'm going to play quad wheezing. And if I can win the first couple of rounds and get up there at all the top tables, like I feel like quad wheezing is the only deck that I have a chance of beating toward. If he's playing, (laughs) if he's playing Lugia, if I play quad wheezing and he can't use any of his abilities, but then I knew like I submitted my list because I knew I was going to miss the first couple of rounds, putting me down at the lower table. So I switched to Mew oh. just for the power. And then yeah. the last round I played against our Gujra with double Drapion for oh. my win oh. for points. And I was like, all right, double it wasn't meant to be. Jeez. <laughs> that is yeah. rough. That, that, is yeah. rough. Yeah. that kid slipped that second one in there for your matchup. Yeah. 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 I, I want a yeah, deck absolutely. check. Deck check. He like apologize. Like I, I had like checkmate on board because I like lost owned his, his Drapion and I had like two power, you know, two attackers set up and I'm thinking checkmate. And he like, you know, uh, has a stadium replacement and puts down Gudra or puts down the other Drapion. He's like, I'm sorry, man. I was like, well, I, I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Uh, James, here's something I'm curious about. I, uh, because, and I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm the anti-poker guy here, but mm. I want to bring poker back into it a little bit. <laughs> a lot of the other people that we've had on the show, we bring up this um, this kind of dichotomy of, you know, what's more important, the Pokemon that you're playing or the pilot. But I'm going to throw another P in there because I know this is super important in the poker world. How often are you playing the player? How often are you looking across the table, reading body language, general emotion, mood, to make the decision about what you're going to do on your turn, right? Like most yeah. of the situations I've heard about this is like, do I play, do I play the judge this turn? Do I play yeah. the this turn? How yeah. often do you find yourself reading your opponent, not just what's happening on the board? For me, very, very infrequently, but that was also the case with poker as well, because I'm a math guy. I have a degree in math. And mm. so for me, it's always about, you know, the strategy, the optimal play, what we call expected value, you know, taking the highest expected value or in the case of Pokemon, the most likely path to victory. It's like trying to analyze all the different win conditions, how likely you are to be able to execute those different win conditions and then balancing those and determine the best path. I won't say that I've never like seen my opponent like really excited when they drew their prize cards. And I'm like, okay, I have to play judge this time or something like that because like <laughs> it's very clear they, they drew boss for a game or something like that. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something that you should consider. 
but um, not something that I really uh, that I really do that frequently. Um, that that it's that hasn't been a huge value for me. Uh, I definitely mostly just play the the hand in front of me and my opponent's board state and their discard pile and how many cards they have in hand. Mm. Uh, but 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 maybe I, I definitely I can remember um, <clears throat> watching uh, a, a Tablemon video one time when he had um, Sam Chen on. Mm. And they were playing online and Sam Chen was saying some stuff that like, I never really thought of. Like, for instance, they like, they drew, they drew the right card off the card that they needed next turn off of their top deck. And he's like, quickly attack. And I'm like, what? He, he told Pablo, he's like, quickly attack. So they think that your, your hand is just terrible and you don't have what you need. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or something like that. And so he was mm. thinking along those lines a little bit more, mm. um, just trying to like, basically deceive his opponent for like how strong his hand is. Mm. But uh, that's not something I've always kind of been more methodical. I pretty much take the same amount of time on most turns thinking through all the different situations, but yeah. maybe that's, maybe that's a leak in my game for sure. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we are here to or learn. Do, you, from do you. you do that at all? Cause you know me, like I, I, James, you don't know me that well. I'm, I love this game. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> uh, I will play it for as long as I can, but uh, I'm there to win the raffle, have a good time. And then Corey, Corey's more of our gamer, but Corey, are you sitting across the table doing this ever? Well, I'll answer that question in a second, but uh, you know, Jared, you're, you're very good at building decks. And when we were at is 08 worlds or 09 worlds or whatever, we were going to the grinder back then where you could try oh, to yeah, pl- play your yeah, way into worlds if you didn't have enough points. So yeah. four of us all go down there. We're driving Jared's mom's minivan and uh, down to Florida. Ooh, yeah, baby. And you know, there wasn't, you know, there was the internet and there was Pokenet and Pokey beach, but there wasn't just like, you didn't really know what everyone was going to be rolling in there with. And Jared had put together uh Empoleon bronzong. It was known as Empazong. And it could really hold up well against uh, Guardy Gallade and some other big decks in the format. But Jared was like, and Claydol was the engine back then where you could draw cards. And Jared's like, I'm not going to put Claydol in there. Like, I'm just going to run it with supporter line. And it was like, I don't know if that's going to work, but okay. (laughs) So we get down there. I swear 25% of the field was on Empazong. Everyone. No idea. No idea. Jared just put the deck together. The only difference was they had Claydol and Jared didn't. So there he was playing the Canadian Pikachu guy at the, you know, low table. Don't go down that road. That's a story for another time. But you know, Jared, you're very good at deck building. Um, Yeah, no, I, I, uh, if I have to, you know, once I attack or, or pass or whatever I'm doing, if, if I need to like, piece together something for them my next turn depending on what my opponent's doing or what they should be what they should be doing or usually like my my brain goes to worst case scenario so if they do worst case scenario for me what's my reaction next turn so if i already have that planned out i just lay the cards on the table and i just stare at them and yeah. i and i just watch them and and a lot of times the the the, the eyes the the heavy breathing you know if they're you know, you get some of those players that they're playing so fast, you know, and they don't want to tie and I get it. And so they're like, okay, well, so they're hurrying for a reason here. So this, they know they can close this match out or, or something. So I, I usually just stare them down and they never look up. Like you, you think it, it could be weird for like awkward eye contact. They never do. Like they're staring, you know, because they're playing, but yeah, yeah. So that's usually what I do. Not, not an intimidating way just to kind of watch them. 
you know, just trying to see if there's anything I can gain. From I'm just what's shocked going on. that both of my poker players I'm having this interview with aren't, aren't, uh, you know, aren't giving me some rounders uh, reference here, talking about you know playing playing the player and not the hand. But yeah. I've got a got a got a mathematician I- here. <laughs> And uh, man, I'm super shocked right now. I thought I was going to get a different answer. No, but I'm I'm watching him. You got to watch him. <laughs> you got to see him. Yeah. No, I uh, I probably am over dramatic on my turn sometimes. Like if I know I have it, I'm like, <sighs> and I like, and I'll wait. <laughs> so you you're the one that's that's throwing out those things. Yeah, I'm you're like, baby. Yeah, I'm like, God, don't Marty me, don't Marty me, like don't Marty <laughs> me. Or back in the day, don't end me, just don't end yeah. me, you know. But uh, anyway, well, this this was so much fun, James. We're we're, we're rooting for you, hardcore man. Like, Thank you, I appreciate we it. We want you to win. You need 300 points. Is that worlds? 350. 350. Okay, I felt like they just so did they change it or anymore. Did they change it or lower it or raise it? It used to be 500. It's 500 in a normal season. Yeah. This year's 350. This year's 350. So with cups and challenges coming back and uh, should have a decent chance uh, for sure. Uh, Now, cups and challenges are going to be way harder than everyone is remembering them to be because like at our locals, we used to have like eight people on a typical night. Now we'll have like 25 people. Cause I can only imagine when the cups come back, like if we have a cup there and people are going to be traveling in to try to get those points. It's going to be like our old cups are probably like 20 people and our new cups are probably going to be 50 people. (laughs) Yeah, totally. um, Are are you still in Alabama? Is that where you are located? Okay. Yeah. Just outside of Birmingham. Wow. Well, that'll be great, man. Well, we look forward to keeping track. I'm in in Nashville, James. We're coming down. We're coming down. (laughs) Yeah. Come on down for the cups or certainly in Huntsville. If there's a cup yeah, in Huntsville, yeah. that's a good meeting ground. So that'd yeah. be, be fun to meet you in real life. We'll get, we'll figure a way to get Corey out here from Texas. I'll fly yeah, out. There we go. Don't worry. I'll get out there. Just hope you pair Jared, you know, and then you'll get that easy <laughs> dub. That easy way. dub. <laughs> no. If it, gets, if it gets late in the season and I need those points, you may see me at a Nashville, at a Nashville cup. So. Come on. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Go. Awesome. Has Connor already earned his invite for seniors? Was it? It's Connor. Uh, Carson. Yeah, yeah, Carson. Yeah, yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry, Carson. That is good. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. They only needed like um, two fifty or two hundred or something like that. So the big the big thing for him now is the top sixteen race, just because it's so. Yeah. They get five thousand oh, dollars towards you know geez. for your to help you with your travel and and skipping all of day one is just is just really nice. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's currently tenth in there. Cool. Like I said, he's had a bad couple of tournaments. The last couple of tournaments, but. Um, with the, I think if he gets points at either EUIC or NAIC, he should, he should mm-hmm. have a really good shot at maintaining the top oh. 16 position for the year. So that's the, are they going to do the cap on cut Remember They used to do that like quarterly. You only could get yeah, like so this year points. is only two. So two. since there's only this one quarter, oh, it's two cups, two cups and two challenges is a cap. Oh. So yeah, the most you can get, the most points you can get towards worlds from cups and challenges this year will be 130. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, cool. Any, any final thoughts, Jared, you have a final question for James before, before we roll. James, I just, uh, I'll, I'll give you the floor. Anything you want to lead out with any encouragement to players out there that are trying to get better or, any word to us uh, pokey dads that are trying to strike that balance between caring for our kids and striking fear into our own opponent? <laughs> yeah, I would just say definitely stick with it because I know Carson and myself both have seen a, a you know big progression. I was nowhere near Worlds the first season or the second season that we played. And so you can keep getting better. You just have to put in games, you know, just play a ton of games and learn all the sequencing and, and just get better and really 
after you, when you lose a game, don't say I lost because I got unlucky because, you know, I had two bosses in my deck and I saw eight cards and it was the bottom two cards. There was probably something else along the way. Mm -hmm. It might be true that you got unlucky, but nine times out of 10, there was something that you could have done on an earlier turn as well to, to help yourself. If you could have thinned the deck by one more card, then you for sure would have hit that boss. So um, just, I would just say, keep working at it. It's a, it's a fun game. And anyone that can do this with their kids just and really enjoy that ride, the whole social aspect of it, spending time with Carson and, and Carson getting spent time with all of his pokey friends. Cause you know, he's at that age 14 where kids are, it's, you can't like go to school and say that you play Pokemon in the card game, even if you make 10 plus thousand dollars a year doing it. Cause there's just a lot of risk doing that in middle school, <laughs> but getting to travel the world and hang out with other pokey kids and you can like be yourself around is just an amazing experience. So the most, you know, all any chances you can get to do that, take it mm -hmm. because it's just a great time. Awesome. Yeah, for anyone that's looking to, to to go to that level, it's can't recommend it enough. Cool. Win or lose. That's what's up. I love that. I'm inspired. That. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> cool. Get a little teary. Get a little teary after that. <laughs> All right. Well, James. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, yep. you know, we appreciate it. And again, we look forward to tracking your journey and maybe chatting before Worlds because you're going to make yeah. it. You're going to qualify. Or, yeah, we're believe believers. It. We're believers. Sounds great. Okay. Carson, again, he's going to blow it up. We're getting James to Worlds, baby. There you go. Let's do it. All right. We'll Thanks, see you. guys. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye, James. All right. See you. Wow, Jared, uh, James Washer, man, I, I am inspired in multiple ways right now. Uh, Absolutely. I don't know who my role model was before, but it's drastically changed after that interview. <laughs> I, I'm getting a t-shirt with James's face on it. Can't, I did not see poker player coming. No, Blow. no, I didn't at all. And as soon as he said it, I was like, okay, my new goal is to make sure that we do not spend over half of this podcast talking about poker with Corey. I had so many, I wanted his, his the world series. I wanted to know what his finishes were, who he went up against, like, you know, cause that's a grind, man. I mean, there's like four day ones and then day two, day three. So, well, wow. Poker player, Pokemon player. Um, were you, you got a lot of you got a lot of firepower going back to your wife. Oh man, to show an, to show an example of why your two year old should start I, learning Pokemon now. I am so curious what her what her rebuttals are going to be to these because she better be ready because I don't think Lauren's quite ready for this. So we'll see. But what was this? So you know, Ellis, my son, he's just so young. So it's hard, like I want him to play, but it's still years away. Was this? Does this give you some blueprint for your older kiddos that you think might play Pokemon? Yeah, it's, it's really funny because yesterday I, I picked them up from school yesterday. I usually do that a couple times a week. And my daughter is nine and my son is seven. And Elijah, my son, we bought him one of the big, um, you know, starter games that has two full decks, standard decks ready to go, mm -hmm. has, the, has the play mat. And we've kind of just been dinking around with it whenever he feels it up to it, right? Because I don't want to be the pokey dad that's like, all right, it's 6 a.m. in the morning, get your deck, and it's it's time to go. Like, I, I, I'm trying to figure out the way to, like... How committed are you? Naturally have him want it. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. But I asked my 9-year-old, because I know it would be far easier for me 
to take both kids to mm. a tournament versus just one. So I was talking to Ava. I was like, Ava, you know, you like you like Pokemon. They're cute, right? She's like, yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, adorable. They're, they're fine. And she's she's much more of like our quiet reader mm. and uh, doesn't really care for strategy or games that much. And I was like, yeah. hey, would you play? Like if we made you a deck, would you play? And she was like, oh, daddy, I, I just don't think I'm right for Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Ava said that. Yeah, she said that yesterday. Oh, that's the best. And, uh, and I was like, okay. So my hope lies in Elijah for the time being. And, and, and I think the, the, the key to that is because we've been going through standard and that's a lot. I really think starting over GLC decks mm -hmm. and just seeing if there is any amount of interest in him. Cause we could go to league every week, play GLC and have a blast. And then if he sees other people playing standard, yeah, well then great. Then we could start talking about going to tournaments, but it's like, um, it's like building a fire, Corey. You gotta, you gotta get all the kindling <laughs> ready. Okay. You gotta light the spark and then, then you build the bonfire. You can't, you can't go for the bonfire right you off the You can't, bat. no, yeah. You can't, can't lead a horse to water, Jared. You gotta get them to go drink it themselves. So, <laughs> that's well, I hope, I hope Elijah get, get, gets a swing at it at least, you he know, will. it's a he fun, it, it is a fun game. My biggest fear is becoming the, um, are you familiar with the Andre Agassi story? You know, the famous mm -mm. American tennis player? Mm -mm. No, I'm he not. Is, he is famous, famous, almost infamous for saying how much he hated playing tennis. Hmm? This guy's one turn. And he really, the only reason he kept going is because his dad kept pushing him. Wow. His dad kept pushing him. His dad kept pushing him. He hated tennis. So and, and just kept going to try to win the approval and gratification of his father. Mm. So like, I know that's a very far end of the spectrum. Yeah. But that's the biggest thing that I'm worried is that like, I love Pokemon so much. I'd love for my children to love Pokemon, but I can't, I can't force them into it. And I, 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 I what James said, just this fun time of traveling and talking decks and playing and the relationship being the, the thing, Pokemon kind of just being the vessel for that relationship that's what I desire. Yeah. But we'll see how that plays out. If it's something else, great. I'll hop on board with him and we'll do that. Yeah. Well, and I think we've mentioned this in past episodes, but like the, the pokey dad, I do think this is going to be more of a thing. I, I think, uh, I, agree. I think it's going to be, I think this is our age group grew up on this game. We're going to have kids that we're, we're going to push gently into potentially liking it and if they do it's like okay let's go it you know and i think we're gonna start you already see the more 30 year olds at these tournaments now you're gonna probably see the the 35 40 year olds that are then running over to the junior table after they're done um to check in what's Absolutely. going on so and, and and it's it's generational right like mm -hmm. we did this as a kid yeah it, and, and that it's it's bizarre to be a part of such a cultural phenomenon that was started when we were kids, right? This isn't baseball. Yeah. This isn't football, basketball, chess, yeah. things that have been around for, you know, over a century, most of these things. This started in the 1990s mm -hmm. with us. Yep, for sure. And and here we are. Yeah, here we are. Well, cool. Well, that, that wraps up uh, our, what, third episode of Teach Me Pokemon uh, with James Washer, the Poke Dad, our, our inspiration. Jared, really our, what we're shooting for is, is, is James. So... That's cool, man. Absolutely. Cool, man. Absolutely. All right, brother. Great role model. Great role model. All right, dude. It was good chatting. We'll catch up soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Teach Me Pokemon, the podcast. 
You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com. Teach me Pokemon podcasts. Come and dive with us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.